This is the LexisNexis California Legal News Podcast. Litigation news stories from recent issues of LexisNexis Mealies. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. A state appeals court October 20th affirmed the defense verdict in a children's Motrin case. The Second District California Court of Appeal found the trial judge properly excluded an exhibit that was irrelevant. More from LexisNexis Mealy's Emerging Drugs and Devices editor, Tom Moylan. A six-year-old girl was given three doses of children's Motrin for a fever, developed symptoms of Stevens-Johnson syndrome, and became legally blind. Her parents sued manufacturer McNeil Consumer and Specialty Pharmaceuticals, which is a division of Johnson & Johnson. In 2008, a Los Angeles jury found that the company knew of the risk of children Motrin and failed to adequately warn about them, but that neither failing was a substantial contributing factor to the child's injury. In an unpublished opinion, the Court of Appeal said the trial court did not abuse its discretion when it excluded an exhibit consisting of a copy of the children's Motrin label with handwritten notations by a plaintiff expert about what warning language the label should have carried. The court agreed with the trial judge that the exhibit was irrelevant and was, quote, merely cumulative of other evidence presented showing the expert's proposed additions to the label. The panel also rejected the plaintiff's argument that the trial judge erred by failing to give a heating presumption instruction, also known as rebuttable presumption, because the plaintiff did not request one and because such an instruction is inconsistent with California law. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Emerging Drugs and Devices Editor, Tom Moylan. A state appeals court October 7th reversed a $12 million verdict in a natural gas explosion personal injury action. The 5th District Court of Appeal ruled plaintiffs Michael Hewitt and Matt Nino failed to show that the accident would have been preventable if defendant Southern California Gas Company had provided them with warnings. The two men were injured while attempting to light a water heater at a school construction site. When they were unable to light the heater's pilot light, they decided to bleed any accumulated air from the natural gas pipe. This caused natural gas to accumulate in the water heater closet. After closing the natural gas line, Hewitt again attempted to light the water heater's pilot light, causing an explosion. The natural gas supplied by the gas company was odorized properly at the meter. However, the odorant was absorbed as it traveled through the school's new steel gas pipes. The plaintiffs contended the gas company had a duty to warn them that those new steel gas pipes absorbed the odorant in the natural gas. A jury awarded the pair $1 million each in compensatory damages and $5 million each in punitive damages. On appeal, Southern California Gas contended the water heater had a label on it advising users to read the installation manual. That manual warned of the possibility of odor fade. The appeals panel reversed, noting that although the odor fade is a potentially dangerous condition and may not be well known in the new construction industry, the men failed to establish that a warning issued by the gas company would have prevented their accident. In an October 25th federal class action, a California woman claims Google is failing its promise to protect users' privacy by intentionally divulging users' search queries that may contain personally identifiable information to third parties. According to Google's privacy policy and statements made by the company to the Federal Trade Commission, the online search engine protects the privacy of its users and only shares certain pieces of aggregated non-personal information. But according to the complaint, in actuality, Google intentionally transmits individual user search queries to third parties. 
Quote, in fact, it says, when a Google user clicks on a link in Google's search results page, the user search query is not the only information revealed. For the vast majority of Google users, the user's IP address is concurrently transmitted along with the search query. An IP address is similar to a phone number in that it identifies the exact computer being used by the user to search and navigate the Internet. The action seeks unspecified damages and an order directing Google to disgorge revenues and profits wrongfully obtained. In an October 18th class action complaint filed in the Northern District of California, a Minnesota woman says one of the largest Facebook social application providers violated the site's terms and conditions by sharing its users' personal information with third-party advertisers and internet marketing companies. Nancy Graff alleges that when a Zynga Game Network user clicks on an advertisement displayed on a Zynga game such as Farmville, Zynga sends a referrer header to the corresponding advertiser. That referrer header reveals the specific web page address the user was viewing prior to clicking the ad. Through the design of the Zynga applications, Zynga has caused users' browsers to send referrer header transmissions that report the user ID or username of the person who clicked an ad as well as other personally identifiable information. Meanwhile, she says Facebook's terms and conditions prohibit third parties from transferring data about Facebook users to outside advertising and data companies, even if users agree to it. Graf seeks to represent all registered users of Facebook.com in the United States who registered a profile with Zynga after October 18, 2006. She claims that there are millions in the class. A temporary restraining order, first issued by a California state court, was continued October 21st by a federal judge who agreed that copyright infringement plaintiff designed furnishings will likely be irreparably harmed absent the relief. Eastern District of California Judge William B. Shubb based his finding on evidence that defendant Zen Path has misused the reporting policy of online auction site eBay by falsely alleging that designed furnishings auctions are infringing, causing design furnishings seller rating to plummet. The Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals October 19th denied a petition for permission to appeal a district court's order that granted class action certification of a nationwide class action against Apple and AT&T Mobility on claims that the companies engaged in unlawful monopolization of voice and data services related to Apple's iPhone. iPhone purchasers brought the nationwide class action, alleging they were required to sign a two-year service agreement with AT&T Mobility if they wanted voice and data services for their iPhones, and that unknown to them, Apple and AT&T agreed to technologically restrict voice and data service in the aftermarket for continued voice and data services until 2012. The purchasers also alleged Apple monopolized the aftermarket for third-party software applications for the iPhone and that Apple caused the iPhone to become unusable if it detected that a purchaser had unlocked his or her iPhone for use with other service providers. Allstate and 14 other insurance companies filed a subrogation lawsuit against Toyota Motor Corporation and its subsidiaries in Los Angeles County Superior Court at the beginning of October. The insurers seek more than $3 million in compensatory damages as reimbursement for claims paid by the insurers purportedly arising from Toyota vehicles' faulty accelerator pedals and other defects. The insurance companies further assert that Toyota essentially hid the problem rather than recall the vehicles and change their design. A federal judge in California has dismissed without prejudice a man's lawsuit accusing a loan servicer of violating the Truth in Lending Act after finding his complaint did not include enough information 
to establish that the company violated the statute. Alphonse Lyles sued America's servicing company and Endex West, seeking rescission from the loan and statutory damages for violation of the Truth in Lending Act, as well as damages under state law. The plaintiff says he was not provided with timely, adequate disclosures about the loan and claimed America's servicing refused to negotiate repayment options after he fell behind on his payments. U.S. Judge Morrison England, Jr. of the Eastern District of California noted Lyles did not state in his complaint the date on which he purchased his home or the date he closed upon the loan at issue. As a result, the judge held he could not determine if Lyles stated sufficient claims for damages and rescission under the Truth in Lending Act. Emails sent from an attorney who represented Shell Oil Company to the city of San Diego in which he offered legal representation and legal advice on the claims in a lawsuit over the contamination of 166 acres under and surrounding Qualcomm Stadium are protected by the attorney-client privilege. In 2003, Shell and the city entered into settlement negotiations over potential litigation in which the city would claim that Shell had liability for the cleanup of contamination surrounding the stadium that the company acknowledged emanated from its operations. Mark Greenberg, who was then employed by Baker and Hostetler, offered to represent the plaintiffs in a possible lawsuit against Kinder Morgan Energy Partners. The city asked Greenberg for legal advice about its potential claims, and the attorney responded. Ultimately, a settlement agreement was reached regarding Shell's liability for contamination. The city filed suit against Kinder, but did not retain Greenberg's services. The Kinder defendants moved for production of the communications between Greenberg and the city on the ground that they were not privileged and that any assertion of the privilege is implausible. They said the fact that Greenberg rendered the advice to the city while representing Shell demonstrated an ethical violation. U.S. Magistrate Judge William Gallo of the Southern District of California explained October 12th that under California law, communications with an attorney during preliminary negotiations are privileged even if the attorney is not retained. The magistrate judge also noted that both the city and Greenberg, who represented Shell during settlement negotiations with the city, considered the communications to be confidential. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Legal News Editor, Shane Dilworth. A state appeals court has held that a man who claims Burger King employees required him to buy a value meal before providing him with a free promotional game piece failed to allege injury under the California unfair competition law or that the games violated state laws against lotteries or banking games. The Second District Court of Appeals said even if plaintiff Tom McVeigh alleged he had not won a prize, he would still lack an injury under California's unfair competition law because no purchase was necessary to play the game. The court explained that purchasing a product does not constitute an injury under the unfair competition law. McVeigh filed suit against Burger King over its Transform Your Way promotional game, alleging that despite prominent displays indicating no purchase was necessary, Burger King employees required that he purchase a value meal before obtaining a game piece. McVeigh alleged the game constituted a banking game and was prohibited under California Penal Code and was an illegal lottery. The Court of Appeal affirmed the trial court ruling, noting the amount Burger King pays out as a result of the game is fixed, meaning that the fast food chain is neither a participant in the game nor has an interest in it. This puts it outside the interests of the state penal code, the court said, which pertains to situations where the house is involved in play. Nor does the Transform Your Way game constitute a lottery, it said, because it is not conditioned upon a purchase. Although McVeigh alleges he was told he would have to make a purchase to receive a game piece, the game piece itself clearly states that no purchase is necessary. Parties in a lawsuit alleging false advertising of a butter substitute filed a motion seeking preliminary approval of a settlement on October 18th. 
Under terms of the proposed agreement, Unilever United States agrees to stop using trans fatty acids in its soft spread products by December 2011 and to take steps to reduce or eliminate the use of partially hydrogenated vegetable oils in its stick butter products. Unilever will commit $500,000 to research and development of alternatives. The proposed agreement awards class representatives up to $4,500 per plaintiff, not to exceed $18,000 for class representatives, and $490,000 in attorney fees. Plaintiffs alleged false advertising for the product, I can't believe it's not butter. A federal judge October 14th granted preliminary approval to a more than $10 million settlement resolving unfair competition law claims over Kellogg's advertising of its frosted mini-wheats. The action alleged the company falsely and deceptively advertised the cereal as able to improve children's attentiveness by 20%. In granting preliminary approval, U.S. Judge Irma Gonzalez of the Southern District of California noted the proposed settlement creates a $2.75 million fund to compensate class members allowing members to recover $5 per box for up to three boxes. The judge said expected remains of the fund, after all claims are paid, would go to charity. Visit the LexisNexis store for all your legal book and software needs. The store offers thousands of titles to help you in the practice of law and in managing the business of your legal practice. You can reach our e-commerce site by clicking on the Store tab at the top of the LexisNexis homepage or by going to LexisNexis.com store. For more information on these and other California cases, visit LexisNexis.com slash Mealy's. LexisNexis Legal News California is written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis California Legal News Podcast, copyright 2010 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Severe Incorporated. LexisNexis. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.